What's up? It's me, AGV, the go-getter, and I want to welcome you to the GCO podcast. You see, this is a place you go to to get the pretty, the ugly, and the grind to success. There's always a story to be told and everything that glitter ain't gold. So understand this, there is no need for the cheat code when you got the G-Code. So get your notebooks and pens ready. It's time for us to get into it. Welcome to the G-Code. <laughs> You are now listening to the G Code with Adrienne. What's up, our go getters? Welcome to another episode of the G Code podcast, where me, Adrienne, give you the pretty, the ugly, and the grind to success. Get a chance to get it in, and of course, talk to a few other go getters who's going to be able to share their story because um, there's definitely some pretty and there's always some ugly when it comes to the grind of achieving your dreams. So, with me on the line, I welcome an amazing radio personality with a personality that I will tell you that I love and what I love most is being able to see her growth and her talking about it and being able to be a true advocate of believing in yourself so welcome to the podcast my girl Lil D what up boo oh that was such a great intro yeah yeah come on got greatness on the phone listen I don't run with with people who ain't go-getters so you know gotta make sure when, when people are listening they know what they getting I am pretty dope. <laughs> that you are. So for those who do not know who the ham and cheese Lil D is, give them a quick synopsis. I'm a midday radio personality at 97.9 Beat in Dallas. I'm an author of a book, Route 2, My Choice to Struggle to Succeed, for by Charlene God. I have an organization for girls called Grinding in Real Life, where the mission is to help good girls become great women. Um, and I have an air check consultation business, helping radio personalities and aspiring personalities put together air checks that'll get them noticed in the view. I love it. Listen, listen. You had that joint ready. I gotta make sure. Listen, when you're, when you get asked who the heck you are, you better have it down packed just like her. So, period, poo. Period, poo. So the journey to becoming Little D has definitely been one that I got a chance to to get a quick glance, um, glance at, especially through your sharing of social media and sharing your story. But you becoming a personality was definitely a unique way. Um, and I got a chance to get to know a little bit of details about that through um chopping it up with my guy Jay. Jay tech so um how did you get your start in radio share with the folks girl so i thought i was gonna be a rapper um i'm gonna <laughs> be the next tupac so i could like change the world and yes. keep your head up part two and so when i was in 12th grade uh the night jock jay tech used to have freestyle content every friday so i called in i won nine weeks straight and so he had my phone number because he called me when it was time to rap when I got to college, he was like, hey, you want to be on my show? And I was like, I guess. <laughs> and so I tell all my people, like, yo, I'm about to be, like, ludicrous. I'm going to be recording my albums in the back. And then we're about to go platinum. I'm going to make it. Yeah, then none of that happened. Um, I was sucked at radio for at least six months. I mean, it was awful. Like, it was bad. Mm. Like, people said oh, she must be sleeping with him because how she get on the show because I was so terrible and I was like why did you ask me to do this I'm not good at it and I'll never forget he was like I see something in you that you don't see in yourself yet mm. and he would just he would just brag on me like every day so how was your day oh it was I nobody cares your mic off and it would just irritate my whole soul and I never had any comebacks like I wasn't quick 
And one day, I don't even remember what he said, but I remember I was like, well, you need to do something with your fat ass. And Lil D was born. <laughs> and that's all it took for him to just get enough under your skin for you to just bite back. Yep. And here we are. And here. So it's really his fault that I'm a jerk. <laughs> well, he made a great jerk. And because, you know, and I think one thing about that is sometimes we need someone to really push us and pull us in such a way to really get us angry. To like, you know what, I'm about to prove something to you. And that sounded like, you know, Absolutely. that's exactly what it was. Yeah, he just kept, he was so hard on me. And I'm like, bro, I've been doing this for three weeks. Like, calm down. And, and <laughs> He's calmed down a lot now, but he used to be real mean. And <laughs> literally every single time I messed up, I had to hear about it. It's not like I went to school for this. It's not like I even wanted to do radio. And he was just so hard on me. But it paid off. I still have some of his handwritten notes Ooh. of things that I need to make sure I do on air. Okay, so you got to add that in the next book then. Some handwritten notes. Oh, yeah. He's in the second book. <laughs> so what I love most is these stories are the stories that really help in and create the the pretty that you have become, right, in this industry. Like you said, you started out sucking, but now you out here doing radio consultations for air checks, you know, for those who are aspiring radio personalities now. So let's talk about the little D that we see on social and what I like to call our highlight reel, right? We get a chance to see us in the state of what we choose to put up, our curated life. So when it comes to the great things that you've been able to do, you know, now, you know, since getting in at the, since you were in college, um, how long has it been for you in radio? And then all the stations that you had a chance to, you know, check out, because I became aware of you when you were in Ohio. 15 years. I actually just made uh, February 28th in radio. Mm, congratulations, girl. I, thank you. I started in Shreveport at KMJJ. From there, I went to Toledo, Ohio in 08, and then Cleveland, Ohio in 2011, and then Columbus, Ohio in 2015. I just couldn't get out of Columbus. I'm out of Ohio. <laughs> um, and then I'm now in Dallas uh, since 2018. It'll be two years in May. Wow. So what is it you love now that you were able to figure out your, your way in the game, right, and, and work your way through it? What is it that you love most about being on air? I like the fact that I can be silly and a jerk and make people's days better, but then I can use my platform to help people. Yes. Like, it took me a long time to even take myself seriously. Like, I don't have no platform. I just be talking. But people really listen to you on the radio. Mm -hmm. And you always hear it when you mess up or, like, you ask a question. Somebody will DM you and be like, hey, it was such and such. And it's like, yo, y'all care? Oh. Okay. And so I've been able to use people thinking I'm cool and thinking I'm famous to make a difference, to bring awareness to things. And honestly, that's the best part of doing radio. I never wanted to do it because I want to be famous. Like, that's cool. Mm -hmm. But let me help somebody. Right. That was my whole reason of wanting to be a rapper. So you wanted to be a rapper because you wanted to help somebody, like you said, the Tupac, creating a movement. Yeah. Yeah, like all Tupac, not Death Row Tupac, <laughs> but Brenda's got a baby Tupac. Right, conscious Tupac. Like I really just wanted to be that kind of rapper and bring awareness to things and help people. 
so in essence you still are doing that just in a different jargon it's more of a, a <laughs> in a different way so you know when you talked about being able to help somebody um i think with you being an author and sharing your story of i would like to call you know the ugly journey to the success that you have reached um i want to kind of tap into that because so many times you know we get a chance to see the pretty we celebrate the the milestones of reaching those awesome things you know went from this city that city now you in a great dope spot um and we see that and we congratulate that but so many of us don't get a chance to see those uglies of when you were struggling or getting to it and in your book you know you highlight that um so let's really talk about that ugly era of little d when you had to go through life's journeys uh, when i call it life life you like i swear it was a time when i feel like life was whipping on me and ashton kutcher was going to come out at any given point and be like oh you being punked but nah doc <laughs> it just kept whooping on me so um can we you know give us some quick areas you know that you you had to deal with you know during that period of time of being homeless you know of figuring out how you were going to eat you know talk about your book some because that really you give us the raw and the real within it yeah i, I get tired of people thinking that you just wake up one day and say oh i'm gonna do radio and the next day you make eight thousand dollars a year like no bro. i wish and so the book only covers from when i moved out of my house in toledo because i got evicted um, till I moved into my apartment in Cleveland, which was the size of my current living room and dining room. Mm. Um, I lost my, I had gotten evicted in Toledo. I wound up getting fired from the station. I uh, was getting unemployment. They cut my unemployment off. And I uh, was working part-time in Cleveland, two hours away from Toledo. So every Saturday morning I drive, do my little 9 a.m. to noon shift and come back. Well, now I don't have no house. Mm. And so I'm like, all right, what are we finna do? So I put all my stuff in storage, and I moved into a motel that was what, 168.19 every Friday. And my dad was like, you know you can just come home and start over. And immediately I was like, Daddy, if I come home, I'll be on the radio again. And you got to understand, I was trying so hard to get back in the radio. It was almost two years, and I'm doing everything I can. I emailed 72 program directors, and one emailed me back. And it was a guy who ran Cleveland. And so what am I going to do? Hey, life got real hard, so I appreciate it, but I'm about to go back home work at the call center. No. Right. <laughs> the only thing, one of the only things that made me happy was being on air, and I wasn't willing to sacrifice my happiness for some AC at my parents' house. So I moved into a motel, not a hotel, but a motel, <laughs> uh, across the street from a truck stop with drug addicts prostitutes outside, and it smelled, and the air only halfway worked. And the refrigerator was room temperature at best. And I have two cats. And so we all in this whole motel room, hungry. I get paid every Friday for my other job. But I would have maybe $30, $40 left. I got to put 20 of that in the tank to get to Cleveland on Saturday. So boom, $20 for the week. So I would go to the buffet and like fill up the to-go container with as much food as possible. And it would last me a few days. And usually I just wouldn't eat on Thursdays and then eat on Friday when I got paid again. Mm. Um, it was a whole struggle. People have no idea. My phone got turned off. I had to go get like a minute phone to make sure I couldn't talk to people and communicate. Um, I, we had summer jam in Cleveland and I hosted it and then went to sleep on my friend's couch and then drove back home. I couldn't pay my a motel bill one Friday and I'm like I get paid on Monday like I swear to God I'm a habit just give me the weekend he was like no 
<laughs> and so I had to pack all my stuff in my car and sleep in my car. Nobody knew that until I put it in the book. And they're like, why didn't you say anything? And I'm like, why would I? You were eight states away. What are you going to do? Right. So, and I, I never looked at it like, man, my life was so hard. I went through so much. Like, yes, I was very depressed while I was going through it. I was hungry. I was crying. I didn't know what I was going to do. But I never looked at it as bad as other people did because to me, I was just doing what I had to do. And at some point, somehow, I don't know how, but something's going to happen and I'm going to get out of here. And I did. Mm. So you- the book just really speaks to the mentality of someone who will make that kind of sacrifice to do what they love. And you'll get glimpses of my childhood and things I've been through that would make me make the kind of decision to bet on myself. I call it Route 2 because the way to get from Toledo to Cleveland, when you can't afford to toll and I'm poor, you take Route 2 through the back road. But I also called it Route 2 because I feel like I took the alternate route for my life. I could have just went home. You could have. And yeah. I chose to be homeless. It was my choice to struggle to succeed. And you know, when you said that, you know, I, the entire time I'm like this, this girl could have just simply went home, right? You could have packed up your stuff and been, like you said, sitting good in some AC. But the thing that made you happy was what kept you struggling until you knew that you were going to be able to be good. And because you betted on yourself and like that speaks value, like being relentless, relentless, having grit um, and just, you know, the mentality it was what we call the mumble mentality of just never deciding to quit. And so I'm sure during that time, like your family, oh, I know my mother herself, my mother never wanted me to do radio, um, told me I need to be a nurse or a doctor. It was like, you're never going to find a job. And I was just like, let me show you. Right. Um, but I'm sure with them being your parents, you, you know, your dad, like, yo, you need to come on. How did that make you feel? Cause sometimes you just knew in the back of your head, I do have this option. Like you just kept pushing. Honestly, I didn't feel like it was an option. Mm. Me going home was never an option. My only option was how am I going to get out this motel and keep my job? I never thought about going home until my dad said, you know, you can come home. And immediately I was like, daddy, I can't do that. I'm going to be on radio. Right. So I, I never looked at it like, man, just pack yourself and go home. There's nothing more important to me in this world than my happiness. It's- and so even though I was hungry, real hungry, <laughs> surviving off peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, literally like five or six sandwiches a day. I went through a lot of loaves of bread. Mm. I'd rather do that and then be on air from nine to noon and host Summer Jam and go to staff meetings and be at a real radio station again than go home. Wow, I, I can agree with you on that. Now, being able to make it through that that stage of the ugly, right? You know, what was your breaking point when you're just like, yo, because some people will grind, 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 grind. And I know I have been there in certain scenarios where you're just like, yo, when does it pop off for me? And, you know, when did it pop off a little D when you finally got that break that you've been praying for, wanting for, working hard for, grinding for? So I found a house on Craigslist. My credit was super jacked up, so I couldn't get, like, a regular apartment. And so I found this place. Um, a guy 
was moving in with his girlfriend and didn't want to sell his house, so he was like, I'm going to just rent it out. Three sixty a month. Mm. Okay, I can afford that on my radio station. Check, boom. I'm going to be poor, but I don't care. So I get down there, and he hit me with the okie doke. Well, me and my girlfriend broke up, so I guess we're going to be roommates. And I'm like, yo. <laughs> I don't have no reception in the house at all. Like, I literally had to go outside and send a text message. I do not feel safe. And he smelled. It was spiders all in the house. Mm. I woke up one day. It was a dead mouse by my mattress. Like, it was disgusting. And so now I'm more depressed than when I was in the motel. Because I'm like, I don't even feel safe in here. Something's going to happen. And I called my mom and I was like, I don't feel safe in here. Like, I don't know. I don't know why, but I'm just, I'm telling you, like, something not cool. And she was like, I mean, what you want me to do? Mm. Nothing. Don't worry about it. It's cool. But then a week later, she called me and she said, you know, Denise just sent you $500. She said, don't ever pay her back. Just get out of here. <laughs> and I found an apartment on Craigslist, $450 a month, all utilities paid with a $500 deposit. Wow. That is why I struggle to succeed. When you have... Uh, an unwavering belief in yourself and you got tunnel vision and all you see is making it out of the situation, you're going to make it out of the situation. I didn't even know my mama did that. Wow. Like, I just thought she was like, uh, I don't care, whatever. But she made a call like, listen, can you help her? And she sent me just the right amount of money for the deposit. And you didn't even Come know on, you needed that. Come on. No, it ain't no coincidence. Yeah. Uh-uh. Wow. And so... That breaking point in in that moment, it, it it shifted you, and so from there you really began to to hit more of the pavement and breaking into those opportunities. So, what was the next opportunity? Were you able to become full time? I was part time the whole three and a half years. I was Cleveland. Mm-hmm. I was in Cleveland. However, my PD is from Philly, and he was real cool with the people at Villa. And he hooked up an interview for me, and I became, like, their social media marketing online person. I don't even know the title. They made it up. But it paid me $1,100 a month. Shout out to Villa. He did not. Shout out to Villa. Kobe Cole. Kobe is a jerk, but he is the reason I'm back in radio, period. He's the reason I paid my rent every month in Cleveland. But So I was part-time, but I was... Hustling. I made thirteen fifty four an hour and I split it in about forty five thousand dollars. Mind you, my rent is four fifty a month with all utilities paid. So I was able to clean my credit. <laughs> I flew some people out to see me. Like I was cool. My car was paid off. So I was able to save real money and make sure I'm never gonna be in a situation again. The only thing that was really holding me back was feeling inferior. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I just went natural, so my hair was in a real funky kind of phase. It's half perm, half natural, and all the other girls at the station got sew-ins, and they wore makeup and heels, and I looked like they little sister. And <laughs> I'm like, man, what am I going to do? Like, I'm poor, and they drive a nice car. Like, what? And I wanted to have, like, a thing, because everybody had a thing, whether it was breast cancer or hosting the club, and I didn't have a thing. And I was talking to one of the jocks at the Urban AC station, you know, all the R&B, and I was like, what am I going to do? I'm part-time. Don't nobody know me. I'm barely on air. And he was like, why are you defeating yourself before you even try? And I went home that night, and I started writing up what became Grinding in Real Life. 
Mm. And so for me, things really turned around when I it, a light bulb went off. Like, yo, you haven't even tried yet, and you giving up. You it, went through all that just to not do something, right? Just to not. And do- that was 2014. And 2020. So- here we are with programs that I still do. With the program you still do and you push to push beyond limit and really create opportunities for other girls. And so, you know, with that, um, I I seen a quote um, and I believe it came from Russell Simmons. And it said the hand that's open to give is always open to receive. Um, And so that moment when you were deciding to create this, you know, grinding in real life and giving back to the next generation and really being a voice for it, you know, you begin to receive some blessings. So I think. The what I love most um, is how you're so candid on social and real and raw about you loving you um, and get into that place of loving you. And I think that also is in the process, you know, us coming from the pretty to ugly and the grind to success, that grind, not only you putting in that work to get to where you are and sacrificing, but the grind of becoming the best you like. Let's talk about that, because I think we've all dealt with that. Like for me, I'm a tomboy at heart. I really enjoy my sweats, my leggings and a hoodie and a fitted cap. Um, and in this industry where it is now shifting to this place of all this beauty, makeup, and people being cute, um, I think I, I fought against that for a while. I remember one of my mentors telling me, like, you know, sex sells. And I'm not saying you got to sex it up, but you definitely want to act like you are of a particular sex. And I was just like, oh, my God, I don't want to play this game. And I bucked against it. And still, to a degree, I buck against it. Um, and I just do me however I do me. But it took me a minute to get there. Like, it took me a minute to even liken my voice, um, liking how I appear amongst my other peers. So, like, what was that journey like for you, you know, to, get to loving you the way you do openly unapologetically like and really being able to be like yo I don't care the hell you say I'm fine and I love that I, when I tell you I love every time I see you post about it I'm like let's go D girls a whole mess like <laughs> I've had some low self esteem most of my life in the south if you're not light skin with long hair you are not pretty and I am clearly dark skin and I got forcey hair and then I, I remember I was 25, I was in Cleveland, I looked in the mirror one day and was like, you're really pretty. And it was the first time I realized it. Wow. So imagine finally realizing you're pretty, just to realize you're in the industry where you're not. <laughs> I, you know, I didn't know how to do my eyebrows. I ain't know nothing about highlights and concealer. Like, I would put on little powder, makeup, lip gloss, and be like, okay. And people would literally comment on the station's Instagram page, you ugly at mm, Lil on there. That's crazy. Like, you want to make sure I see it. That's crazy. There was a Facebook thread once when I was in Columbus about how ugly I am. Somebody sent it to me, and it was just comments and comments and comments. And one person was like, I don't know what she looks like. So they commented a picture of me, and everybody was like, damn, she is ugly. Some of them were parents of girls who I've helped. Wow. And it really did. Like, I don't care how good you feel. When you are just in a place where you started to like the way you look, right. that shatters you. It does. And so it took a lot of, I, I didn't even know what affirmations were. I just knew that I couldn't just feel ugly the rest of my life. And so I kind of started 
looking in the mirror and saying, okay, what do you like? I don't care what they say. What do you like? How do you like your hair? How What, what clothes do you want to put on? You have to feel pretty so you can protect yourself from them because obviously they don't agree. And what's crazy is I moved to Dallas and I was, this is the happiest I've ever been in radio and life in my spirit, period. And you, I think you can tell there's a different glow about me now. Oh, yeah. And those same people in Ohio who dogged me are in my DMs. Man, Texas look good on you. <laughs> Damn right. Everything look good on me, you fool. Right. Um, I, I have a shirt that says enough self-esteem to be myself. And what I mean by that is, like, if you like wigs, wear your wig. If you like sew-ins, that's cool. But for me, I like my natural hair. I like twisting it every other Sunday and wearing it curly and being dark-skinned and being thick and having big lips. I like the way I look. And I like the way I talk. I like the way I act. I like everything about myself. And that's why other people like it, too. Because what you going to tell me? Nothing. At all, you can't. Um, you can't, you can't beat somebody who is the 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 queen or king of loving on themselves. So it's like there's nothing that you can do that's going to disturb your peace. And what I love most is that you have reached that place. Um, and it's a beautiful place to to be at. And I think it's it's it speaks volumes to the work that you have done for yourself um, and the work that you're doing on yourself and why do you think doing the work you know we, we watch uh, Oprah or Yala Van Zandt when she says do the work right and and for a moment when you're watching the videos and the content you're like oh, what the freak is she talking about do the work and it's really the work to really shift and change you and I know I had to get into that place like after coming out of a divorce it it'll definitely jam you up and when you're like yo what the heck is wrong with me um, and you really have to get back to seeing you in a better light because then you get disappointed through the lens of somebody else's um and really your lens is the only lens that matters so like in doing the work like what was some of the work that you did to get there like you said the affirmations but you know I see you hitting the gym and you you know you're being very boisterous with how you feel so my grandma passed uh, at the end of 2015, and I literally lost a piece of my mind for a while. Mm. And I started running because if I I needed to do something, or I was gonna go play in traffic. <laughs> and so I trained for a half marathon, and I ran it, and I felt like I could do anything in the world. And well, then I fell into a deeper depression, and I wound up in a mental facility for five days. They really tricked me into going. They were like. <laughs> I mean, do you feel like you need to talk to someone? Yeah, something wrong with me. Right. Well, listen, you're voluntary, so you can leave whenever you want. Ooh, the lies they tell. It's definitely a, minute, a mandatory 72-hour hole, and weekends don't count, and I went on a Friday night. Girl, the ghetto. Sure. And so if I thought I was depressed before I went there, <laughs> Even I was more. way more depressed being in there. They don't care. Maybe like some of them do, but the one I went to, the doctor literally, I swear to God, she talked to me for about 15 seconds and was like, all right, so I'm going to subscribe to you and type the class hand that I never took. And so when I got out, I was like, yo, this is not going to shake. And it was so random. I was in my apartment. I was singing Michael Jackson, just having a good old day. And in my head, this little voice was like, why are you so happy? You broke. You working two jobs. You just got out the crazy house. And for whatever reason, I snapped on myself and was like, oh, I don't need a reason to be happy. And then ding, light bulb, wait, I don't need a reason to be happy? 
huh. Mm. And so I took that, and I in Columbus, I gained the most weight. I was, I'm was i five feet even. I think I was like 189 pounds. I've never been that big in my life. But I had two jobs because I cut my salary, and this cardinal had to get paid. I didn't. It was either cook or sleep every day, and I slept. So I would hit up like Taco Bell and whatever. When I got down here, I was like, yo, I don't like the way I look. So I started going to the gym. Going to the gym helped so much with my everything because we'd be in there about to die. And <laughs> they don't let you die because they refuse to leave your side. And you get to the point where you're telling yourself, you got to push ups. Come on, you know you can do this. Push mm-hmm. that sled. And you're really reaffirming to yourself that you're good enough. And so now when I run, I'm able to take what we do in the gym and be like, nah, you got this last mile. Come on. It ain't even a question. Let's go. Right. And once you take that, you're like, yo, you're you're good enough. Mm. Also, I went to therapy. Come on, <laughs> let's talk about this mental health. I, I went because I was happy. Yes. And I was like, I need to work out whatever else is left because I don't ever want to not be this happy. Mm. People think you got to be oh so sad and depressed. Everybody should go to therapy. Listen. I don't care. It's it's the truth. I I like similar to you with your grandmother. Uh, my grandfather passed, and he he was like my father figure. I ain't gonna say he's like he was, um, because my father wasn't in my life, and he died on my wedding day. And oh, no. yeah, yeah, girl. Um, I was like, you talk about the ghetto, and so mentally, how you go from being at the highest heights of your life and being dropped to the lowest of lows in one day, in one day, and mentally not knowing how do I register this feeling of having excitement and and happy to be kicking life off with your your, your husband and to be sad and miserable because you just lost one of the greatest men in your life. Like how do, how how the hell do you weigh that? And the hardest part was no one ever told me to go to counseling. It was pray about it. God makes no yep. mistakes. Um, and it wasn't until I started having issues in my marriage is when I decided to go to go get uh, counseling. That was like, what, two years later because I was depressed for a whole year, didn't know it. Just functioning uh-huh. because you're staying busy to busy out yourself from not being able to hear yourself realize you ain't yourself, sis. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> so... So this therapy, and I think so the stigma of black people uh, when it comes to getting the mental help, and I'm, I'm happy that it's becoming more prevalent in the conversation, that we're willing to do it. So shout out to you for, you know, checking yourself in to get help because you already are feeling great and it's something you want to maintain. Yeah, absolutely. One of my favorite aunts is a therapist, mm. and she has two therapy practices, and she's so dope. And that was part of the reason I realized there's nothing wrong with going to therapy. Like, I thought therapy was for rich white people. <laughs> yep. And that's because that's all you see. And so I remember I hit her up and I was like, do you think it's a good idea to take out a loan and go to therapy? I didn't even know it was something you could afford. Mm. Like, I didn't even realize you could just have insurance. Like, my copay is $35. I'm actually, my next appointment's on 26 But... I didn't even, I didn't know anything. And so she really helped educate me. And it's, it's you're nervous the first time. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't want to tell this person all your business. But honestly, the most freeing thing in the world is telling a stranger all your business and then watching them not judge you. Yes, and just nod and like, take notes. <laughs> like, I'm not crazy? That's normal? Oh. I'm supposed to feel like this right now? Yeah. 
and then giving you the tools to fix it. Yes. Not, okay, let me fix you. All right, here's your band-aid. Like, doing the work is having the tools you need to get through any situation, which is why I continue to go. She actually put me on once a month now. I used to go every week. And she's like, I'm so proud of you. And I'm like, hey, put up. Come on. I still go once a month. Yeah. To check in and make sure I'm cool. Yeah. Which is which is important. I still wake up every morning and meditate and tell myself it's gonna be a good day. You're gonna do this, you're gonna have a good shift, you're not gonna slap that girl at work. <laughs> you're gonna go to the gym, it's gonna be dope, like everything is gonna be cool. Let's get it. Every morning. Every, every night before I go to sleep. Well, I, it's up to me to make sure I stay in this place. Yes, yes. And that is so cool, you know, that is okay. It is cool to go to therapy. Um yeah. It really is. And, and I think one of my biggest mistakes one time is when you think you can counsel, not even counsel, you can console in someone that is a friend and, and, and believe that what you share ain't going to get out, child. Um, So, like you said, I, I rather and I prefer talking to a stranger because they're not going to judge me and they're going to actually help me and give me the tools to be great. So just, you know, like even just coming off of that and the tools to be great, you know, you're you are now reaching you have reached, a, a, I would say, a, a very pivotal moment in your life to where happiness is a priority and maintaining that is a priority. And so where you are now, you know, like, what do you see? What's next for Little D? Because you I know we got the second book. Show. OK. Um, I'm actually working on my second book. Uh, it's called My uh, My Plan to Prostitute. So I'm still calling it Route 2. Wait, you said my plan to prostitute? Yeah, girl. I had a whole plan written in my backpack. So I was 15. Like I had a pimp. Really, you was ready. Listen, my life was real interesting. <laughs> I'm, I'm so ready for this. My plan to prostitute. Come on, Route. Yeah. The, the book covers the whole period I was in Cleveland and it explains why I started the organization through my plan to prostitute. Mm. So the second book will be out. Um, I'm going to have a building for my organization and I will be worth six figures. Come on. I, I, and I'm going to give me a husband and some kids. Yes, honey. Shoot the club up. Knock her up. Somebody. Have more little Ew, D's I'm running around. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to dot. Never mind. I'm good. Yeah, we're gonna go to the agency though. Okay, okay. We go. We gonna pick some, pick some babies out. And so, you know, what I, 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 I love this. You just really made my day. Ugh, I'm going dot. <laughs> you really just made my day. So, with these next steps, and in, in every time I have someone on, I always talk about the G code to, to success. You know, when I created this podcast, I created with the idea of fact. Like I've watched several people many people get fired in front of me and then when they got fired there was no more platform that you had until you got picked up to go somewhere else um and so I created you know my my g code the podcast on two folds one I had this segment in my show called um the go-getter of the week while we're bringing people who's moving and shaking and turning dreams into reality in the community and we would talk about how they got to where they are they're pretty to ugly and the grind but I realized of course having a nice show don't nobody want to hear that they want to just turn up you know people don't <laughs> yeah. care about the story of somebody and I was like okay let me omit this um, but I wanted to give an extended version um, and this is where the podcast was created um, and so here I am but one of the biggest things is learning from each other and I'm always into people's stories and I'm more into their failures more than the glory of it all because I can see the glory of what they post um, and so 
but along with the glory you learn your g codes along the way and in those mistakes and those ugly moments so out of your, your lifespan thus far um what would you say your top three g codes of life are always know who the f you are mm, and tell yourself if you don't other people will um so we got one, always know who the F you are. And you said sell yourself. That's yeah. two. Other people will if you don't. Yeah, if you don't know who you are, they'll tell you. Mm. And I believe that wholeheartedly. Um, also, your fear of not trying has to be greater than your fear of failing at it. Yeah. Um, what's my third one? Believe in nothing other than what you want to happen. Mm. What you see grows. I like that. So you believe in manifestation? Like I manifested this whole Dallas job. Come on. I knew in my heart. I tried to work here three times. And by that third try, I was like, listen, this is going to happen, period. I didn't even know they were hiring. Wow. I DM the, the morning show host because she worked in Shreveport and I remember her. And half my family lives in Dallas. So I would hear her whenever I came to kick it. And I just randomly DM'd her and was like, listen, I just want to tell you, I really look up to you. Like, I remember when you were in Shreveport. She said, that's what's up. You know we're looking for a midday job. Mm. I had no idea. I was done looking for jobs with the company because I didn't look how they wanted me to look. And so I remember I emailed the PD and he didn't email me back. And I'm like, okay, now you're going to get this air check. And so I mailed him a flash drive with my air check, headshot, and resume on if you send somebody snail meal, they got to give it to them. Right. Then he emailed me back. Thank you so much. You sound great. Okay. So then I sent him an edible arrangement to thank him for listening to it. <laughs> Come on. And I, re- I remember, I was like, he going to call me on the third week of the third month. That man called me on Friday, the third week in March. Wow. Interviewed me, flew me out. And the last thing I left him with was a scrapbook. And every page was things that I had done with my organization with different radio stations. And the last page was blank. And it said, reserved for what we'll do together in Dallas. Come on, Lil D. Listen, when you want something, you better go for it, period. Yes, period. And know when your heart is going to happen. There is no, eh, well, what if? Nah, uh-uh. Well, how am I? The how don't matter. Mm. This is what you want. This is what's going to happen, period. There's no doubt. Woo, come on. So if people don't pick that one up, listen, I don't know what to tell you. That that right there alone is is ooh, that was that was free game. That was free game. The rest is gonna be in that the rest is gonna be in the book. The rest is gonna be in the book. Now listen, tell the people how they can follow you on social, purchase your book if they're in Dallas, how they could tap into your organization. I really love the work that you're doing. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. So everything is at Lil D on air, L-I-L-D on air. The website is grindinginreallife.com. On there, you'll see the consultation business. You can buy the book. You can pick up any of my shirts with their great messages on them. And keep up with all the events that I have going on because I'll be booked and busy. Booked and busy. That is it. Now listen. I'm sorry, go ahead. And if you're in Dallas, make sure you listen weekdays from noon to 3 to 97 on beat. Wow. Is there an app? Is there an app for that so they can stream it if they need to? There is. There's a 97.9 to Beat app, and you can also search for 97.9 to Beat on TuneIn. 
There you go, Lil D. Listen, I appreciate you for finally getting in on the podcast with me. It's been a long time coming. Um, like I said, I really I admire your grind. I love to see my fellow sisters in radio like get to it and do it unapologetically um, and really just making it happen for themselves and um, loving on themselves because it's key because uh, this industry is shifting and changing like at a whole nother, um <laughs> at a whole nother level. And uh, child, child, it's shifted and changing. Uh, and I love to still see people who are real personalities get to it. So thank you so much for getting on the podcast with me, Boo. I appreciate your life. For sure. Thank you for inviting me. Be sure to subscribe to the G Code Podcast. Find it on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and all places a podcast lives. Also, download AJV, the Go Getter app, on your Google Play and or your iTunes App Store for free. And always get the G Code Podcast at your fingertips. Want to catch up on the G Code Podcast? Well, go to www.adrivthegogetter.com and also subscribe on SoundCloud and YouTube. Remember, you can check a new episode out each and every Wednesday as we get you over the hump with the G. G-code. I was born in the G code embedded in my blood. Matter of fact, you just triggered a level orange G code security threat. Master G code, G code.